So for, for just about every human being, and I'm talking about those with and those without faith, uh, our subject for today is, is often one of the driving questions of life, which means um, that even if you're brand new to the Christian faith and brand new to Christ United Methodist Church, even if you are uh, early in your spiritual journey and figuring out what it means to be a follower of Jesus, no matter where you are now, uh, no matter where you've been, no matter where you think you're headed, chances are you've thought about our subject for today. And when I think about this subject, I think of something that uh, the psychiatrist Carl Jung once said. Now, Jung was the, the son of a Swiss Reformed pastor. There was Christian clergy on both sides of his family. And in fact, there was a time uh, when it seemed as though he would go into the ministry as well. Religion in general, uh, and in particular, the theology of the Christian faith was an important part, um, important subject to him for his entire life. He would ultimately take another path, studying medicine and becoming a psychiatrist. He became a pioneer in the field, one of the most important thinkers of the 20th century, really. And his work influenced um, not just psychotherapy and psychiatry, which you would expect, but also anthropology and religious studies uh, and even literature. Jung was the, the first to differentiate between the personality concepts of extroverted and introverted, for example. Uh, he was the first to develop theories about functions of the mind that, that shaped later psychotherapy in important ways. He was a, a prolific author and scholar uh, whose work has benefited countless millions of people over the years. Well, on our subject for today, he once wrote, as far as we can discern, the sole purpose of human existence is to kindle a light of meaning in the darkness of mere being. For Jung, who was a preacher's kid, who might very well have ended up in the, in the pastor and the ministry himself, um, the purpose of our existence as human beings is expressed through a very Christian metaphor to kindle a light in the darkness. The question for us today is, is how are we kindling the light. So this is the, the final week of our sermon series, inspired by the book, Three Big Questions That Shape Your Future. So far, we've talked about the first two questions, uh, the identity question, who am I? <clears throat> and we talked about how, as Christians, our core identity is that we are followers of Christ. And then we, we talked about the second question, the belonging question, uh, which is, where do I fit? and how uh, with our core identity as followers of Christ, the foundation of our belonging is in the body of Christ, the church. Today, the third and final big question is, uh, what difference can I make? Which is a, a question of purpose. And to guide us, we're, we'll be turning to the Apostle Paul, who wrote, as you may know, the earliest documents in the New Testament. So uh, if you know Paul's story, his, his method, he would uh, visit cities, and plant a community of faith. Uh, he would stay there for a while, preaching the gospel, gathering new believers, and just as importantly for the ultimate trajectory of the church, he would identify uh, leaders who could continue to grow the church. And then uh, he would go on to, to plant the next church, keeping in connection with the prior churches via letters, some of which ended up in the New Testament. And in the language of this series, these new communities of faith had discovered their identity in Christ um, as followers of Christ, and then they had found their most important sense of belonging in the body of Christ, the church. And in our letter for today to the church in Corinth, uh, Paul is addressing the question of purpose. 
So this is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 4 to 13, 4 through 13 right now, and we'll come back and read some more later. Listen, friends, for the Word of God as it is uh, explained, revealed by the Apostle Paul. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discernment of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. For just as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So um, Corinth was an important city in the Roman Empire. Uh, it was a center of commerce uh, with a cosmopolitan population from multiple cultures in the ancient world. And Paul had, had planted the church there, and then he had returned at least once, uh, maybe more, to try to resolve issues of theology and some practical matters of Christian living. Uh, he also wrote multiple letters to them, two of which uh, are in our New Testament. 1 Corinthians was written when Paul was in Ephesus, which is just across the Aegean Sea there in what is now modern-day Turkey. Paul was there working to build a new community of believers. And the first letter to the Corinthians includes some uh, essential matters of theology that have shaped the church's thinking since Paul wrote it. Now today, Corinth is just a ruin. Um, this is the, the group from our church that went to Greece in April on a Journeys of Paul tour. Uh, and when you're there, it's a, it's a beautifully quiet setting today. It's uh, idyllic, really. But in the early 50s AD, when Paul planted the church there, it would have been this culturally rich, uh, bustling center of money and power. And so Paul's challenge as the planting pastor of a, of a faith community that was learning what it means to follow Christ was to help them establish their identity and their sense of belonging and then to help them understand the common purpose of the family of faith. These were not, by and large, people who had converted to Christianity from Judaism. Some had, but for the most part, these were Gentile converts without the, the theological framework of our long salvation history. And so Paul's task was to offer them the answers to the questions of identity, belonging, and purpose with which every one of us wrestles, but to do so without that long assumption of beliefs that came with being part of the Judeo-Christian movement. And in the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians, he gives us one of our most enduring metaphors for life in community. He says that we all have spiritual gifts, and he says that we're all part of the body of Christ. And because those two things are true, Paul says, to each 
is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The good news is, um, the good news about being part of a church, especially one this size, is that whatever your spiritual gifts are, you have the chance to share them here for the common good of our common purpose as a congregation. And there are several ways that these, this is going to happen over the next couple of weeks. So, um, you know, part of our, I'm pointing down here to where the kids were, because part of our uh, common purpose is to raise our kids in the faith. And every time that our children's choir sings in worship, it's true that it's adorable, <laughs> and it's true that we all love it. But much more importantly, we are empowering them to use the gifts that God has given them in pursuit of our common purpose. Part of our common purpose is to be in service to others. And so a week from Tuesday, uh, we have a Mardi Gras pancake fundraiser for our Serving Others Ministries. Um, this is a picture that was in the Dallas Morning News. We have a pancake artist coming. She's got kind of a funny name. It's Panky Doodle Pancakes which makes me giggle every time I say it, but she, she makes, uh, those are pancakes there. Now you can see that, um, you know, they're, it's going to appeal to kids, of course, but I mean, who doesn't want a Yoda pancake, right? <laughs> right? Maybe she'll make a Jesus pancake. I don't know. I'd have a Jesus pancake too. So to, <laughs> to support that ministry, you know, come and, and be part of this for sure. And while you're here, you can explore the wide range of our serving ministries to figure out um, what's a good fit for your spiritual gifts. Now, one of our um, serving others ministries is our Vision of Light team. We talked about them last week. They had a display out in the atrium. That's our, an eyeglass ministry that needs new volunteers. You don't have to be an eye doctor to volunteer in this ministry. And they also have their annual fundraiser that you can support. Uh, selling their famous spaghetti sauce. That starts next week. So go Team Volt. And then next week, we have a wonderful example of young church members sharing their spiritual gifts to support our common purpose. Next Sunday is Youth Sunday, and part of our mission as a church is to help raise our youth in the faith, right? And so next Sunday, you're going to be super proud of these kids. They, they're going to lead all aspects of worship, um, they've written the prayers and an affirmation of faith, which are deeply faithful and express who they are. They've chosen the hymns. The youth choir is going to be singing, and three of our older youth will be preaching. And one of the ways that we support them using their spiritual gifts, which we've helped them uh, cultivate, is by being encouraging faces, cheering them on, hopefully in the sanctuary, <laughs> uh, as they live out their faith. Well, let's, let's finish the text. He does an extended thing here for a few verses about the body of Christ. You may have, have heard some of this before. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor, and our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. 
whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Which means we're all important. It doesn't matter what our gift is. Do we sing? By all means, join music ministries. Uh, do we, uh, are some of us better at caring? <laughs> we have a whole caring ministry that could use your help. What teaching, serving, the list goes on and on. Whatever your gifts are, you're not just welcome, you're encouraged to find your purpose in this church through those gifts. You know, in the, in the book, The Three Big Questions, uh, the authors make a crucial point about the Christian faith, and it's a point that is inspired in no small part by Paul's extended body of Christ metaphor to the Corinthians. We each have our individual stories. We each have our own gifts, our own graces, our own unique ways of living out our faith through our professions, um, the things that we give our volunteer time to, obviously our families, obviously our friends. Our individual stories are wonderful stories. They're important stories. They're stories that, that help describe who we are. They help um, reveal to others the type of person we are. And, and those stories, our individual stories, are best lived out in the context of God's story. Because the story of Christ, his incarnation, his ministry, his teachings, his death, his resurrection, uh, is the story that that makes us who we are as God's faithful and gives our lives the meaning and the purpose uh, that they would not have otherwise. And the book quotes um, a pretty famous theologian and pastor, Eugene Peterson. He did a, a paraphrase of the Bible called The Message that many of us love. And Peterson said, God is the largest context and plot in which our stories find themselves. We have our own stories. Our collective story with God, or another way to put it, is with one of the most important and enduring metaphors that Paul gave to the church in the 50s AD. There are many members, yet one body. And, and our mission as the body of Christ, our purpose as the United Methodist Church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. That's what we're that's what we're all about. That's our whole point of existing, which means that um, each of us continues to grow in our faith here in community through worship and study and service and financial generosity. That's part of it. And we introduce as many new people as we can to the God revealed in Jesus Christ so that everything that we do here at Christ United Methodist Church in pursuit of that purpose is in that broad framework. And every one of us has a part to play. So we commit to live out our vows in and through this place, prayers, presence, giving, service, and witness. And we, we're willing to share our spiritual gifts in support of our ministries. And we're uh, excited to invite new people to join us. And then when we're here, we're kind and hospitable to the newcomer and the stranger. That's our core purpose. <laughs> in this life. That's, that's how we make a difference, rooted in our identity as disciples 
and belonging to this wonderful family of faith. And when I think about this purpose uh, question, I think back to when, when Whitney and I found a United Methodist congregation to call home. It's been a long time ago now. <laughs> that community of faith uh, connected us to our purpose better than any church I'd been a part of to that point in my life. And I had been part of the church my entire life, but there was something different about this United Methodist expression of Christianity. This was before I heard a call to ordained ministry. Um, they were, there were friendly people there who were excited to meet us. Like we were a young couple. Ooh, yay, a, new, a young couple. Come on, let, stick around. <laughs> and they wanted to get to know our stories and they wanted, to, they wanted us to get involved. And the thing about that is, it's one thing to want people to get involved, it's another thing to help people get involved. And they did that for us. They gave us uh, the chance to be part of missions projects. They uh, helped us find ministries and leadership positions. And because we're Methodist church committees <laughs> where we could share our spiritual gifts. Um, after we joined, we volunteered with the youth group. I told that story at the, in the first week of this series, how impactful that was. It entirely transformed our path in life. And as part of our work with youth, we taught junior high Sunday school for a while. Uh, we were invited to help start a, a Sunday school class with other young adults uh, who became some of our best friends and remain so uh, a quarter of a century later. The, ch the church transformed our lives by, by walking with us as we answered these three big questions of identity and belonging and purpose. And I'll never forget the first project that we volunteered for. It was during our first year there, um, before we officially joined the church, it was, a, it was a Saturday in September. Our congregation was partnering with another United Methodist congregation in Dallas, uh, as well as this nonprofit whose uh, mission it is to help immigrants navigate the challenging immigration process. Uh, our congregation was helping with hospitality for the event, and Whitney and I signed up. Now, this other uh, congregation... Um, had a, was in a neighborhood with a large uh, immigration population. And Whitney and I, uh, for some reason, because we didn't have kids, didn't know much all, all that much about kids at this point, they, we were assigned the task of providing childcare with the parents, or for the kids while the parents were meeting with the immigration attorneys. Um, it turned out fine. There's no, there's no funny stories associated with that. We, we, you know, we played on the playground with them for a while, easy enough. We played uh, in the childcare room, board games and little you know, figures or whatever. And I mean, as you might imagine, there was a, a language barrier for sure, but um, it really was an honor <laughs> to be hanging out with these kiddos whose families had come to America in search of a better life. It was a beautiful way uh, to spend a, sa a Saturday afternoon in September. Um, but some of y'all know what happens on Saturdays in September. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I entirely thought through this before we signed up. Um, so this particular Saturday in September, uh, my alma mater, which you may know is Notre Dame, uh, was playing my wife's alma mater, which you probably don't know because I never talk about her, but her alma mater is Purdue, excellent school. She's the brains of the operation. They were playing in, fo uh, they were playing in football and we did it every year. Um, now, some of y'all are not going to believe this. This was before smartphones. Um, before I knew anything about digital recording. We didn't have a TiVo yet, if anybody, any other older folk know, remember what a TiVo was. 
Um, so I had to catch the highlights later on SportsCenter. Now listen, th this was in 2000. So a program was five bucks back then. This was not all that long after I graduated from Notre Dame. I don't miss Notre Dame big games. Like this is such a big deal that in retrospect, honestly, this is honest to God truth, that the next year on that date, our pastor who would become friends with called Whitney and I to just thank us for giving up Notre Dame football. Sorry, babe, Notre Dame football, not Notre Dame Purdue football, uh, in order to volunteer with this group. Uh, but I'm so glad that we did. You're probably wondering, Notre Dame won by two that day. <laughs> I mean, I'm so glad we did because it was a, a beautiful way to spend a Saturday afternoon in September as part of our community of faith, fulfilling the church's purpose to kindle a light in, in the darkness. And when I think about that uh, event, um, it occurs to me that it was the first time in my adult life that I felt like I was part of a larger, more significant, uh, more holy story than my own. And it started, <laughs> obviously, this lifelong connection with this denomination that I love. We officially joined the church two months later because life uh, together, living in the context of the body of Christ, is a life of purpose. It's how we answer the question, what difference can I make? And I have no idea, no idea what happened with any of the families whose children we cared for that day. But I'm pretty sure their children felt the love of Christ that day. And I am entirely sure that Whitney and I did. <laughs> Friends, we all wrestle with the three big questions uh, throughout our lives, questions about identity and belonging and purpose. And the thing about that is that those questions are best answered always, always in the context of a community of faith. So as we wrap up this series, as we begin to look towards Lent and Easter, I'm, I'm grateful. And I say thanks be to God that we have the blessing and the honor of sharing our spiritual journeys in this congregation of the body of Christ. Amen.